0: 90% of the time, the the chaos is really the cause and what, the pain point is I don't have enough time. Yeah. Again and again and again, especially with nonprofit leaders, executive directors, I don't have enough time and um, that's the pain point.
1: You're listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast brought to you by kevkayat.com. Kev helps nonprofit leaders deliver more impact faster and easier so they can be mission accomplished in 40 hours a week or less. For more information, visit KevKayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results. Now, here is the host of nonprofit problem solver Kev Kayat.
2: Hello Kev Kayat here. Welcome to Nonprofit Problem Solver, brought to you by Yachtme, the virtual events platform, 100% free to nonprofits. Thanks for tuning in. Just to be clear, you are actually the nonprofit problem solver. As host, my job is to extract from our guests the practical, tactical expertise that you can put straight into action. This is a recording of a live event hosted on Yachtme. Did I mention it's 100% free to nonprofits? Find out more at y.yot.me. That's W-H-Y dot Y-O-T dot M-E. Join me on these live events every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Register at yacht.me or nonprofitproblemsolver.com. You can find me, Kev Kyad, at kevkayad.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. Join the Nonprofit Problem Solver Club on Clubhouse and the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group to get all the latest practical, tactical advice on being the best nonprofit entrepreneur you can be. Check out my coaching programs at nonprofitentrepreneur.com. How much of your day is spent firefighting? How much time do you spend on things that aren't urgent? Or just as you get to the really important tasks, you get interrupted by colleagues who just want to have a quick word about something. Today's guest, Kelly Gagnon, is a nonprofit coach who helps people create systems and processes that focus on the most important things. We talk about the causes of chaos, how to tell the difference between positive, constructive chaos and negative, destructive, and distracting chaos, and some straightforward steps you can take to better manage not just your own time, but other people's too. And we are live on the Nonprofit Problem Solver podcast. Hey, welcome, everyone. Uh, this is episode 42, and I am with my guest, Kelly Gagnon, and we are going to talk about nonprofits reducing chaos. But before we do that, let me just say thank you to Yatmi, the virtual Ganyan. events platform that you are watching or that we are on right now. This is a, a virtual events platform that is 100% free to nonprofits, no licenses, no contracts, uh, something definitely worth checking out for your next virtual or hybrid event. Uh, and also thanks to uh, Glenn Munoz at PodPro Audio, uh, making professional podcasting easy. So he's responsible for the uh, good quality of the sound. Uh, right. Okay, Kelly, how are you? I'm doing great, Kev. How are you? I'm okay. And you are, um, I know you're from the Chicago area. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm actually from central Illinois. So Decatur, Illinois. By uh, Little Decatur, right. yes. But you are actually physically in uh, in Mexico.
0: Yes, um I'm in Mexico City right now, um dealing with the sounds and chaos of um city life.
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. So this is truly uh international. We both uh serve <laughs> primarily North American markets. I'm in the UK, you're in Mexico. Right. Uh, all uh, good strong partners with the United States. <laughs> and so we mentioned 5013C's and, and everything and they don't even mean anything in, a, in, the, in where we're actually sitting. That's great, though. It? <laughs> it is. Amazing. Um, but that's, I mean, in a sense, uh, it's interesting that uh, we can do this because it's a feature of what uh, work is today, and that includes nonprofits, that uh, we can use lots of technology and lots of tools, and I'm sure we're going to get onto those a bit later uh, when, we, when we talk about reducing chaos. Um, but before we dive into the question, let's dive into Kelly. Uh, tell us a little bit about your non-profit, non-profit background, uh, how you got to where you are, what you're doing now, and how people can find you, and what sort of programs you're offering. Um, So there's at least four or five questions. (laughs) So many questions. I'm going
0: to (laughs) to try to touch on them all, Kev, we'll see. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, again, my name is Kelly Ganyan. Um, I've been in the nonprofit space, uh, really since, um, you know, I was in high school volunteering, working in um, ESL tutoring, Um, but I've uh, worked in nonprofits in Japan, moved back to the States in Chicago, Um, and uh, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about reducing the chaos is I was a victim of... Also, a victim of nonprofit burnout. I was um, the director of an adult education program at a community college for four and a half years and just saw no end. So, uh, my background I was in higher ed administration at a nonprofit, transitioned into the easier life of fundraising, um, did that for a $16 million operating budget for a few years, and decided about a little over four years ago to go on on my own. Um, I think, like a lot of nonprofit consultants, Um, we all think we know what people need and then people are asking us for different things. So over the last four years, I've had a lot of business transitions. Um, I have primarily operated a marketing company for nonprofits, um, really doing fundraising and public relations Uh, Mm -hmm. for the last four years and I'm currently in the process of a rebrand and pivot from Grid HQ, which is a marketing company for nonprofits to the nonprofit nerd, which is focusing on helping nonprofit leaders remove the chaos and stress from their orgs and boards, which is why I'm super passionate about the topic we're talking about today.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. So uh-huh. um, as part of your um, rebranding in this, in this sort of latest pivot, um, uh-huh. what are you planning to offer in terms of uh, training or coaching or do you do consulting? With, uh- what sort of ways do you engage with clients and support nonprofits?
0: Sure. Um, we are going to continue to do marketing and fundraising for nonprofits a little bit, but as we, um, and I pivot to nonprofit nerd, I'm currently actually right after we record this um, operating a fundraising basics boot It's been a wonderful, that's actually also um, a US market, but people are all over the world. Um, it's kind of cool. It's a group of uh, board members, executive directors, working boards, development directors. Um, and I'm teaching them how to do donor development kind of the right way, um, more proactively. And then and in September, I'm um, launching with 10 organizations a board basics boot camp. So really partnering alongside their board to learn the basics of board governance in a fun way.
2: That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, know, a lot of uh, new people brought into the sector. It seems like we're we're always bringing in new blood, which is great. Uh, people mm-hmm. getting involved in in nonprofit governance or becoming donors for the first time and, uh, or, or becoming fundraisers for the first time. So there's okay. there's always a lot of people sort of at that starting, very basic um, education level. Um, and do you also help people who have been in, um, in their roles for some time?
0: So, yeah, I would say the majority of the um, work I do, I mean, even to onboard clients, we're looking for clients that have audits of at least three years that have a functioning board already. So I'm less startup and more... Um, How do we refine our current systems to operate better, more efficiently and effectively um, to do board governance the right way so we can work towards the mission and vision of our organization? So really focusing on those uh, mid-sized, maybe haven't made the shifts they should have over time nonprofits Mm -hmm. to get them to be more efficient.
2: Right. Okay. Excellent. And how would people get in touch with you? Is there a particular uh, social media platform you love to use <laughs> more than others, or are you know, are you a bit of on? Are you a bit of, a, a dabble in all of them?
0: Oh, I'm a, I have a fledgling YouTube channel, so please check me out at nonprofit nerd. Um, I'm doing weekly uh, videos primarily on board governance on Thursdays, and then Instagram at nonprofit nerd. Uh, yeah, you can basically uh, nonprofit dash nerd find the contact page. You can dot com. You can find me there anywhere.
2: <laughs> Great okay, fantastic okay, so um let's dive into this uh topic now, when we spoke um some some, t- some time ago about you guesting on the podcast, we had a real geek out <laughs> around project management <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and project management tools, but you know that that's we also, I think, agree that project management is, is, is not, is not necessarily a starting point. Um, it's, it's a response to a a series of problems, one of which is chaos. Um, but let's, let's unpack the source of chaos. Before we get into, um, project management, at least one of the responses, um, uh, when, 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 nonprofit leaders, whether it's board members or executive directors or directors of development whatever, complain to you about chaos, or you see it in practice, and maybe people haven't necessarily named it as such. What's really going on?
0: Yes, and I will say 90% of the time, the the chaos is really the cause, and the pain point is I don't have enough time. Yeah. Again and again and again, especially with nonprofit leaders, executive directors, I don't have enough time. And yeah. um, that's the pain point. And really when you go down to it and look at uh, time tracking, lack of automation, how people are allocating the resources they have in time as a resource. Um, yeah. That's something that I think nonprofit leaders for so many reasons don't create the space to look at what are the needle moving things I can do for my organization because a lot of things end up being reactive. Um, yeah, yeah, and that so, reality so, so
2: is chaos. chaos. So the chaos in, is what you're saying is in some sense is self-sustaining because as leaders we don't we don't well we we don't take the time or feel we can take the time to step back and really ask ourselves what's going on what's the best way to allocate our time to use our resources and are we doing that right now and that's both from an individual perspective as a leader but also for the organization.
0: Yeah, and I think the constant, um, there needs to be continual language within an organization, and I would say this needs to be kind of top-down from an executive director, about a lot of the chaos also stems from are we really working towards the mission and our, of our organization and the vision that we've created for ourselves? Are we actually following our strategic plan? And so a lot of the chaos ends when those questions aren't at the forefront or aren't in the language internally within the organization.
2: That's You know, that's really fascinating about the culture because – um, I worked with a lot of organizations uh, at a strategic development, and strategic alignment perspective where um, a lot of the chaos and, and we can call it internal noise. It may not necessarily uh-huh. feel chaotic, but it feels mind trash, I cloudy, call it. <laughs> or, you know, sort of like, are, you know, are we all really pulling in the same direction sort of thing is is a lack of alignment uh, around what it is that we're here to do. And certainly once organizations get a certain size, that, that seems to be easier. The more people, the more likelihood you're, you're working in different directions.
0: Right, yes. And um, I think you and I both deal with having to continually remind, and like repetition matters, like right? repetition and habits over time of continuing to ask, like does this fall in line with our vision? Is this how it should be out? Like those habits, more than project management, those habits of continually asking, am I spending my time on the right things? are um, impactful as a leader, as a nonprofit worker, um, to move your organization
2: forward. Okay, so um, in keeping with the, with the nonprofit problem solvers, <laughs> what, what I'm going to do every, every few minutes is try and summarize and pull out some, some little golden nugget here. And I think you've, you, you've said one, and I want to unpack the second. The first one is getting into the habit of asking periodically, are we doing the right things? And and ask, and there are different ways of asking a similar sort of question. But getting into that routine and asking that question, I think that's a fantastic, really easy takeaway for leaders. Just ask yourself: Are we all doing the right thing? Because um, the answer almost always is, "Well, I think so. Not sure. Let's have a look. Uh, maybe some people are, maybe some people aren't." Uh, the second thing that you you said is is having language. From the top down, so let's say board chair and executive director having this as part of their working relationship. The language around um, uh, best use of resources and reducing chaos and so on. Can you talk more about that? What are what would be an indicator, signifier of good language or? You know, what might be easier to answer is here's an example where people don't have the language.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, oh, an example when people don't. Um, I think especially, you know, you, you and I were dealing with like mid sized organizations or larger ones. Mm-hmm. And there tend to be programs that maybe don't quite, pe- sometimes programs um, interact in silos. So there's like internal competition. Uh, but what I'll also see from an executive director level is They'll start to only talk about like programming, 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 and not the problem that it solves as it relates to the vision. So all of the language with staff is just like, how many kids do we have in the daycare? How many kids do we have? Um, how many do we need to get in? Not, not are we reaching the mission of our organization, which is this, and by getting more children in the door, we'll be able to better reach the vision of our organization to reduce... Um, illiteracy and families of this like using that language when you're talking about programming is so important and we tend to lose that which also i think impacts burnout and lack of motivation
2: right I, I think you're right because the, because what you're saying is connecting the mechanics of the programming which is the throughput of the productivity we don't always use those language but is right. how many people are coming in how many people are working through the elements of the program that we've designed How many people are making progress and then getting into the other end where there's impact? I mean, that's the reason for having the program in the first place. But we often forget that so what by focusing just on the numbers working through. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes. And I think, um, you know, my my professional background is primarily with federal and state grants, right? Where the programming Mm -hmm. is primary. And we tend to, especially in grant-funded programming, talk about, like, mini-outcomes, Right, like oh, we
2: move people up a grade level, or we, That's an we don't point. talk about That's right. Point, right? Like,
0: right. We talk about this outcomes.
2: We're like this is what we achieved. Right. I'm like, no. So, so, so it's a, So here's here's I'm going to throw. i just made me think of this. so tell me if this is wrong. It's almost like a focus on outputs is going to create some chaos be, and burnout because <laughs> it's focusing on the on these other short term mechanical things rather than focusing on impact and outcomes, which is the why we're doing it. Giving, you know, and reminding people of what our purpose is and aligning it to our mission.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the more we focus on, um, this is getting very technical, like micro outputs and looking at those as like, yay, these are our successes. And all these said that was about, yay, these are our successes. The right. more we can kind of get out of um, operating towards what we're actually for, towards the mission of our, well, I think was, mission our Why? Right, that's when a mission creep happens. That's when we're spend. That's when leaders tend to spend all this time doing things that maybe don't move your organization. And I want to say forward, but like to achieve the mission, which is why your organization is there. It's not there to get money and operate programs. It's there to achieve something related to your mission.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, that's fascinating because then you've got people say who are doing perhaps very similar programs, and whether they're you know doing you know working at that front line. Role, or whether they're in a program manager, program director role, but focused overly focused on these KPIs around these mini steps that are not very explicitly linked to the mission, um, and they they could almost speak like they're it's you may be forgiven for thinking they're speaking two different languages.
0: Yeah, and I um, I do think, and you know, you use the term alignment, and chaos does happen when things are out of alignment. Uh, and also misallocation of resources, and that um, I think it's important for we, and I'll use we as nonprofit leaders, to train and teach that language of why and mission and vision, and right. to get, you know, all every from top down everywhere in the totem pole, including probably clients, to understand why they are there and receiving services and the impact that has on their lives. Um, right. it's, yeah, it's important to create that culture related to your mission.
2: So, So the language element, um, the first one, again, to remind folks, is that this this habit of asking the question, are we are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And that does not mean moving people through programs. It means are we fixing the problem that we are set up to address as, a, yeah. as an organization?
0: Yeah, and I'm going to interrupt for a second. Yeah, go <laughs> I ahead. I think I know so many, and I used to have a little post-it note on my wall that says, because we've always done it that way is never the answer to why. And I right. think... That so many, so many nonprofits, and it's okay if you're guilty. Oh, like what did we do last year? Let's do it again next year. And there's just like the cycle of chaos and inefficiency um,
2: because right. we've always done it that way. Our, and sometimes our funders reinforce that because you yes. know they don't want to see to oh no that that program's working. Don't don't mess with it. <laughs> you know that's the one we're relying on. So please just carry on doing the, the, the same way. Um, but I I think that 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 Habit of asking is is one thing, and then the language element is as much about connecting what it is that we're doing day to day to our organizational why and giving it meaning, giving it purpose, and in a way that that works across program divisions and program allocations. Is that is that a good takeaway then? Okay, great takeaway. <laughs> guess. All right, and then you know you said that, like mission creep and stuff happens with misalignment. Do you think that we we start to um, misallocate our resources when we're not aligned because we're we're giving the wrong things too much attention and not giving the right things enough attention.
0: Oh, um, definitely! I'm a big fan of the um, Eisenhower Matrix, and if you haven't the Eisenhower Quadrant, and if you haven't, or if you're listening and haven't heard of it, Google it right now. Um, and I think as nonprofit leaders, we spend so much time. And I'll continue as we. Um, So much time not doing what's quadrant two, those move the needle things, the things that are not time, like strategic planning and looking at what gaps need to be filled to reach our mission, all of those things that really move the needle that are maybe not time-sensitive, but they're very important. And then we spend so much time emailing people back and forth about non-time-sensitive things, Um, interacting and and supporting our, uh, which is important, but interacting and supporting others without any, like, intention to help them really make their lives better, um or their work environment better. But yeah, uh, yeah there's total misallocation of time, resources.
2: Um and time is one of our most important resources. Um and I mean it's there's a whole other conversation about about uh time and time habits and scarcity mindset and so on that mm-hmm. uh, you know is not is for, for another time. Uh, but uh, but you, you mentioned the Eisenhower matrix um, again, I recommend people google it it's It's pretty straightforward um, and it's a way of just uh, of of evaluating how you spend your your time and attention on on urgent and um important things uh, and that sort of thing um, and I think one of the one of the challenges I see in when people allocate start using tools like the Eisenhower matrix and some other things is we get into it, we get, they're uncomfortable not because of the, the use of a tool. They're uncomfortable because they challenge some of the assumptions about the way we, we, we work. And what I have <laughs> problems, if you're Googled the Eisenhower Matrix, and you come back to listen, you'll see. One of the problems people have is it may force the Eisenhower Matrix or disciplines like that may force you to um, have to put aside work that you really like doing or work that you're really good at, or work that for some other reason makes you feel comfortable in your role, gives you confidence and reassurance and so on. But they, those might not be the most important things. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> those might be, <laughs> not be the most urgent thing. Those are my things that really for you to succeed in your role, you might have to get rid of those things and do some things that you don't necessarily like doing, or you don't have as much confidence in. And that, I think, is the challenge for a lot of leaders.
0: Yeah, I think um, for a lot of leaders, for a lot of nonprofit professionals, like change is difficult, scary, hard. And when we really start to think of how should we be spending our time and that's a difficult, instead of like, what is on my to-do list, but take a step back further and what should be on my to-do list. I think that's exactly it. There's so many things that we have always done because we've always done it that when we're looking at best use of resources, which is especially important for nonprofits, that it's not free money that's never ending, but like using your time efficiently and effectively is so important for nonprofits that have to be good stewards of money to, I think, I would argue above business professionals, make sure that you're spending your time and energies on the right things for your organization.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a strange uh, paradox, isn't it? That uh, uh, nonprofit leaders, I think certainly in organizations uh, of a particular size and certain sectors are, are better or worse than others. I think, depending on, you know, perhaps the anchor institutions in their areas, sort of, you know, like, you know, large education or large hospital associated nonprofits sometimes reflect their large institutional uh, partners in terms of being um, difficult to change. And it's interesting paradox in the sense that we exist to change something in our society, which isn't working for people, um, and yet struggle to to make that change ourselves or within our organizations. Um that 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 challenge where we where we're re- resisting change or not seeing that we need to do it that in itself can create some chaos can't it Uh
0: I I think oh absolutely emotional chaos discomfort um I I would hope that if you start doing the deep work of how you should be spending your time that it starts to feel like some emo- emotional chaos right it's not easy to
2: well, well, that's, what I, was get, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, <laughs> it's that we want to reduce chaos in some respects, but sometimes to get there, we have to create some short-term chaos to, to get to a point where um, we're working without, we, we don't feel like we're working in chaos, but yeah. we we'll feel like we're making a difference.
0: So uh, one of my first jobs, I took over a grant-funded program that was the worst in the state. So 97 out of 97. It was performance-funded. And these are people's lives, right? So there's a lot of issue there if you're performing or having outcomes that are that inefficient and effective. And about a year later, we moved it up to 14 out of 92 programs um, in just one fiscal year. And the following year, I did a training that said, let's throw everything out with the bathwater, right? Like Let's just throw it all out. And like talked about... And systems aren't working, it can be very uncomfortable, very painful, but like we need to fulfill our mission and no, it's not easy. And yes, yeah, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but um, I think organizations shouldn't be about these pieces of individuals, but the, the, it's about the mission of the organization. And if it didn't include me in the end, like that's okay.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I, I didn't anticipate our conversation would, would go in this direction. Um, but it, it's, it's fascinating in looking at, Change and improvement and progress within an organization or within program obviously you know implies some disruption, some discomfort, and so on. And you know made the point with the paradox we should feel some comfort around that because (laughs) we're trying to change the world in some you know profound way at whatever scale it could be a very small scale, but we're still trying to make a profound change and affect people's lives. So um, you know, in, in a sense, we have to accept a certain amount of chaos, do we not?
0: Um, yeah, yes, I think there's constructive and destructive chaos. And the running oh, around okay. like your chicken with your head cut off, right? <laughs> I, 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 maybe I'll coin these terms after this, Kev. Thank you. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs>
0: I think that running around like a chicken with your head cut off because you have too many things on your to-do list, but actually none of them really matter. You don't have time to do the needle moving things. Like That's destructive chaos for an organization, right? The, yep. This is what and then it's the this is what we've always done because we've always done it. And now we're looking at a culture shift and there's miscommunication and we're trying to figure out we don't quite know how to get there. Like that's I think so we're working together and building the language and the culture. That's constructive chaos. And you're going to feel when change happens, there is pain and conflict.
2: Uh, but I, yeah. Well, destructive chaos is is that feeling of firefighting. And I've been in a lot of organizations in that time that term is used constantly. It's like, Oh, I feel like I'm always firefighting. I'm always just trying to you know, keep the lid on and, and those sorts yeah. of things. And uh, you know, that looks like a great draft of a strategic plan. <laughs> but I can't look at it right now because I'm off.
1: <laughs> I'm too busy. <laughs> yes. I'm too. Oh, I, and I, I was guilty of that. You know, I can
0: come alongside people. I, I was that person working 80 hours a week, didn't have any time. And I'm like, I can do that same job in 30 hours a week and do better and, Feel right. better and not right.
2: burn out. Like- <laughs> right, right. So the fire, the destructive chaos is a situation of of where you feel like you're firefighting, but mm-hmm. the constructive chaos is when you have something, and I'm gonna use you know, some some words like intentional or planned changes and improvements. And yes, you're gonna go through some short-term discomfort, but it's not permanent. It's 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 purposeful. There is an objective here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And there's um, uh, yeah, I think, and, and right, growth happens outside the comfort zone, like that's definitely hopefully happening okay. internally to nonprofits. They're not staying stagnant.
2: okay, so when we say, how can nonprofits reduce chaos? We're not talking about the constructive chaos. We're not <laughs> talking about the positive disruption that benefits people. We're talking about the firefighting mentality or feeling that prevents you from getting your best work done. And creates burnout and stress. That's the that's the chaos that we're trying to prevent. So just just to clarify, I think we've just moved through this issue. This sort of <laughs> hone in on what we're doing, and then we've also talked about uh, the the mindset and the approach around language and some some habits around just just temperature taking on a routine basis to see what we're doing. So I think we've have we covered most of the ground around organizationally everything we would do before we get to tools.
0: Yes. <laughs> Before we get to tools,
2: okay. All right. As I knew we we're going to geek out on tools now. Um, mm-hmm. This is the, this is the part you you know if you don't want to hear about the best project management uh, software, <laughs> the, be- the the benefits of them, and so on, you might want to fast forward. No, I'm just kidding. We're we're not necessarily um, endorse one type of um, uh, uh, of tool over another. We're going to look at mm-hmm. um, w- why we use these sorts of tools, how they can be beneficial. Um, what value they have, um, and and what some of the um, key features are that you might look for if you if you want to adopt a more um, planned program management approach with or without tools. Yeah, right. that, and I, that, yes. that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm go- If you're okay, Kev, I'm going to kind of zero in on that running around like your chicken with your head cut off executive director that keeps everything in his or her head, right? Perfect. And everyone's waiting on them for answers for them to walk into the office because they have 20. And and like that person, we need to solve chaos in that organization for that person.
1: (laughs) And a project management system,
0: right? And the project management system, especially like, let's say there's 12 staff total at two two or three different sites. A project management system and a few other processes of automation are gonna do wonders to free up probably half of that executive director's time to do that quadrant two needle moving stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's ideal. Perfect. So let, yeah. So I I mean, I, I will, I will do my best to keep quiet while you walk through that. Uh, but I will interject to just sort of pull things out that I think are worth emphasizing. And of course I'm going to ask the stupid questions.
0: So. Okay. Perfect. Please do. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, when we're looking, we're looking at that executive director and I've been that person, everyone's waiting on answers from, um, you know, a lot has changed even in my time in the nonprofit space. And one of the things that I say we'll never go back to is an email-flooded inbox. I will never do it again. I, um, it, I think so many of us spend so many time being reactive to emails. And my guess is the majority mm-hmm. of nonprofits, the emails that are happening um, in their inbox, probably 50% of them are internal, right? So it's staff. Um, internal asking questions sending emails so I highly 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 recommend um, what happens when we're using emails is somebody else's emergency becomes your emergency right (laughs) because they come into your email inbox um, all at the same time you have to kind of weed through you tend to open them up or save them for later and you're probably spending a quarter of your workday in your email. Uh, project management systems, I recommend Asana. There are also things like Trello, um, old-school ones like Basecamp that I absolutely hate. And again, like, I'm, I'm making noise. I hate Basecamp. Um, but there are a lot of different options out there, and it is about a culture shift. It's a culture shift to efficiency. So what used to be um, maybe the office manager, having a question about something non-time sensitive, walking into the executive director's office, interrupting what's inside their head, asking them a question, then asking them three other questions they can kind of think of while oh, they're and there. by the
2: way, while I'm about, here. Yeah, by the way, while I'm here. And
0: all of them are not time sensitive, right? What used to be that, and that probably is a work culture. Uh, Project management systems are the perfect thing for those kinds of questions. Where instead of doing that, instead of even sending an email that's getting dropped in and demanding that executive director's attention, the um, uh, office manager is typing for questions in an inbox, and when the executive director has allocated time on his or her calendar to deal with non time sense, they can jump into that thing, into Asana, Respond to the questions. It's taking maybe 30 seconds of their time instead of what would have been a 15-minute conversation. And they're able to still allocate their resources towards those bigger picture things. Um, one of the things I do and I recommend for others, um, you know, I said I'm doing a fundraising basics boot camp right now. And I'm telling people to spend four hours a week. Block it out on your calendar, four hours a week to do um, donor development. Make sure it's there. Don't sacrifice it. This is your job. Don't react and close close and lock your door. Focus on four hours a week of donor development. And if you're using a project management system, that would also be a reoccurring task where you could start to keep notes. And instead of you having to keep it all in your head, right, which is what always happens, what do I have to do today? Oh, I forget. Blah blah, blah. You're looking at emails to tell you what to do. You have a place where you're keeping track of what you need to do and also assigning to other people what they need to do without having the constant email phone conversation. Um, Twenty-minute office chat.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. And so, do you train people to implement Asana in their workplace?
0: Yes. Um, w- what we're doing right now, because it is scary. Like we talked about this earlier in the podcast, like change is scary, culture shifts right. are scary. I um, was
2: thinking of this, this, uh, you know, <laughs> this model executive director that we've talked about, that you know everyone relies on and so on, who may be a bit. Phobic around some of these tools in tech, right. you know, and, and you know the person who's still, you know, still clutching to their BlackBerry,
0: right? And we all need to feel needed too, right? I think there's also this: we need to feel needed. We like that people kind of have to, for better or worse, like that feels like something that has to happen. So to say, right. oh no, you don't have to do that anymore. Like things can work without you, right? If you get hit by a bus, things can continue to operate because I wouldn't go in the project management system and see where you're at. Like it's actually a positive thing for an organization. Um, what I recommend for organizations rolling this out, instead of just saying, we're going to switch and not do email or phone conversations, we're going to force you to do it, is to start to get buy-in at a smaller level. So with one program yeah, or three right. staff members in constant communication, I think uh, like building operations, as odd as it sounds, um, is great. So whoever is your front desk person and the people making the decisions using it, because um, it tends yeah. to be on time-sensitive things, small questions, and start to get some internal buy-in. Um, the best thing project management system are, are, do is remove all the internal interruptions you'll go from right. someone walking in your door every five to ten minutes to someone um, at least having an organized list of what they need to talk to you about because they'll know there's. it really,
2: in a sense it's it's um, it's really about task management isn't it where you don't necessarily need the conversation because I think um, what I always found with project management um, is that the, the best project managers actually don't need a huge amount of tools because they recognize that project management is a social skill. It's about communicating and making sure that everybody knows, you know, is, is on board and clear with what's going on at any particular time. And mm-hmm. so they know what they're supposed to do. Uh, but you would need to do quite a lot of that in a, in, in a project, even if people had the tasks sorted and you didn't need to have the conversations about that. Is that Right. right.
0: Yes. Um, okay. I think, too, with project management systems, it allows, if you're, you know, exec, someone that's supposed to be executively directing, you can get in and not have to have 20 conversations or wait till you see someone to ask them how they're doing. You can go into the project management system and see, like, say you have a fundraising event coming up. You can literally go in pull up um, the development directors and, like, kind of see where they're at, see what they've been working on, and a lot of that back and forth and reactive communication is
2: gone. Right. Okay, so from a, from a relationist, so for someone who, you know, everything in nonprofits <laughs> is relational, we're all about people and relationships going, oh my goodness, I'm not going to have these ad hoc conversations with people anymore, because we're, you know, we're, we're doing these things on the system, whatever that means to people. But actually, what it does is it frees up time for more genuine relationship exchanges doesn't it
0: i i think for more genuine relationship exchanges where you can just be present for the person and not have to maybe have a reason to talk right for 15 minutes i like or also for those instead of asking hey do you want me to pay that power bill that we got in the mail blah 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 right Uh, maybe they're talking more about more meal moving things like hey did more needle moving things, and maybe the power bill is a bad example, but um, especially for program directors that are serving people or solving problems, instead of going in to talk about little things, they can then go in and talk about what do you think about this big idea I've had um, and do some brainstorming conversations. Well, so something yeah, people whole can, can talk, talk to
2: about, each other. <laughs> I mean, managers who care about getting the best out of their people want to bring no. forward. Uh, Uh, questions and issues around that person's personal development and how they are feeling, for example, about the situation with that other, that partner or whatever, rather than problem solving the situation with the partner, because it's sorted in the task list. They Mm -hmm. can talk about, okay, so what did you learn? You can do that reflection, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you can just do, you know, basic colleague relationship buildings. Like, okay, so what did you get up to at the weekend? What are you planning next weekend? Mm -hmm. How was the, you know, the, the teacher conference, with your kids, you know, all these different things that we do anyway, you know, yeah, but yeah. maybe not well.
0: Right. And I think um, if if you're at an organization where the culture is very everyone waiting for someone and lots of little conversations about little things, like just imagine a nonprofit workplace culture where it was just ease and all those things were done in the comfort of people's own desks when they had time. There were lack of interruptions. And it's just, I think definitely improves the work culture when you're using project management systems instead of the less efficient
2: ways. Yeah. Okay. And then, so if you, if someone was, was keen to adopt something um, and you wanted them keen to adopt project management uh, was looking at systems and I know you've, you've recommended uh, Asana as, as one, I know there's others like ClickUp and others that are, and Trello that are, that are popular. What are the key features that people really need to look for? in that, or is it is it really just go and set up a free account and have a look at, around and 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 play around with it and see what two or three core members of the team feel they they would be most comfortable with?
0: Yeah, and I hate to say, you know, I, you mentioned ClickUp, Trello, Asana. I've used all three of those. I think instead of like what is the best or best feature, I um I get three staff members, have them buy into trying one for two months. See how it feels, and it's really just discomfort. Like all the systems will work. The key to any tool is to use it and use it effectively. The reason, right, right productivity tools don't work is people don't use them. Um,
2: but so, some yeah. are harder to learn than others. Some yes. work, you know. And so, so you know, I think, I think the, the the so here's here's what what I would think. I think you're saying, and I was just trying to to confirm is that rather than say as you just, as you did that one is better or not, it's which one does your team prepared to, to learn to use? Yeah, you know, and just I, like, oh, I like the way this looks. You know, that could be enough to get uh-huh. them to spend the hour or whatever they need to watch the YouTube videos or training videos and, and get started with it.
0: Yes, and I think the, and I say the three people, but there needs to be internal, like train the trainer model. So a great way of rolling it out first with a small group is that those people kind of become your internal project management system like experts in yeah. your organization that can kind of come alongside people that have more difficulty or internal struggles well what often
2: happens in an organization with a lot of firefighting i found is that if there's a small team or a project which suddenly knocks it out of the park and they're talking about this particular tool they use everyone's was like i want the tool give me show me how to use the <laughs> <tool." You laughs> yes. know, that's that, that's a that's a common uh, a common adoption route that uh you know, hard to plan for sometimes, but it does. It does seem to work.
0: Maybe I have to find those people moving forward, Kev.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, the the tools reduce the chaos because they basically clear a lot of the noise out that complicates things and di- and the distract. It helps with ma- distraction management, um, and it it sort of separates out the uh, I guess the. What's the what's the the, the sort of non time sensitive task based stuff that people can really just get on with just get on with it, and mm-hmm. and then reserves the real human contact time for genuine when it's genuinely needed. It's time sensitive. It's urgent. It needs someone with accountability or decision making authority to intervene.
0: Absolutely.
2: Right. Okay. So I think I think that's great. I think we've pulled out quite a few. Uh, <laughs> Nuggets there on how to reduce chaos and making sure it's the right sort of chaos that we're reducing. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, can you um, just remind people where it's best to find you online and how they can connect with you if they want to?
0: Absolutely. I am nonprofit nerd on Instagram, nonprofit nerd.com, um, to get in contact with me and um, go ahead and check out the Board Basics Boot Camp coming up in September.
2: That's great. September 2021. Um, okay, and so this has been episode 42 <laughs> of the Nonprofit <laughs> Problem Solver Podcast. Um, next week, I'll be speaking to Beth Watson, and that's going to be episode 44, because sneaking in there is episode uh, 33. It's a special feature uh, of myself moderating a panel uh, from Me, included the Me founder, Barry Hinckley, about moving to hybrid events. So that will come out in as episode 43 um, in between... Kelly and Beth next week. So, hope to see you then. Thank you for joining the Nonprofit Problem Solver. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast. My guest today was Kelly Gagnon, who you can find on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as The Nonprofit Nerd.
1: You can join future conversations live by visiting NonprofitProblemSolver.com. Connect with Kev on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. For more information, visit KevKayat.com Because good causes deserve better results.